flow from within. Examine your heart. Rest in the beautiful garden of His grace. Water that's flowing is cleansing. The water that's flowing that I see is purifying. It is nourishing your spirit. It is, it, and as this water flows and as that process occurs, favor and grace and opportunities will follow that. Let the water, the living water of the living God flow through you and cleanse. And let the favor and grace and opportunities that he has accelerate in your life. Don't wait for it to come at some later time. This is a time for acceleration. This is a time to pull forward what God wants to do in your life. And the way you do that is let this water, let this living water rest in the garden of his love and his grace. Let the living water that he has flow through you, and as it does, it purifies, it cleanses, it draws you closer to him. And as that happens in your life, he will release power. He will release favor. He will release grace in greater measure than he's ever done before. He'll release forgiveness into the lives of you and into the lives of your family. And that is a prophetic word for this house today. I speak it to you based on the fact that I know that there are people here. I don't know how many, but I know there are people here that need to hear that today. And that is available to you today. Let the water well up from in you and let it cleanse and purify the living water of, of God's word and God's presence and what he's done. And as it does, it's going to release new things in your life that you'll see the fruit of and that you'll be worshiping God, giving God glory, and then he'll take you from that level to the next level. Amen and praise God for that today. For who he is and what he's doing in this place and amongst all of his people. So, uh, got a, a quick, that was a quick thing I just wanted to share. It came to me this morning, and I just, I feel like it was something that God was, and I don't know what it is, just about the water, the water, the flow of the river. The, we sang in the river today, and I get, it just, it, it's something that God, it's, it's a move that God's moving, and it's flowing, and we need to get in it. Because if you stand there, you're just watching it go by. You need to get in the flow, get into the river of what God's the water that, that can just that can purify and cleanse and bring you to a closer place with Him. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to talk to you about that same power. Release the power of God into every circumstance in your life. There's no circumstance too small or too great for God's power to be working in your life and in the lives of all that you that are around. The word power is. Uh, is mentioned or occurs 57 times in the New Testament. And one of the places it's used is to describe the most powerful event that's ever occurred in the history of this world. And there are many milestones that we can look at in the timeline of history. Uh, I mean, there's, I won't go into all of that. There's a lot of milestones in history that you can, that you can look at. And you can see from, from everything from creation to 9-11, and even things beyond. There's been rise and fall of, of, of uh, empires, from the Roman Empire to Alexander the Great to, uh, to, to, to Nazi Germany. I mean, there, there are things that mark the timeline of history. And, and as you look at all the milestones, and that's just a few, that's just an illustration, 
You look at all the milestones in the timeline of history, there's only one event, one single event that separated time in the timeline of history. And that event is the birth of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's what we refer to as B.C., or before Christ, and A.D., which is a Latin phrase for Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. And so A.D. is really from the, from the birth of Christ. But why is that the most, and it is, it, it, I don't think it's, deba- it's debatable. I'd like to debate anyone who'd like to on that. I don't think it's debatable. It's the most significant event in history. And why is that? Is it because Jesus was born? Well, because he had to be born as a, as a, as a man. He came from son of God to son of man. He came in full, fully God, fully man, human form. Yes, he had to be born of a virgin birth, all of that. But it was what he came to do. It's why he came. It was his life. It was his ministry. It was his teaching. It was his miracles. And most importantly of all, it was the death, burial, and the resurrection that, that changed history. That's why we're here today. We are here for no other reason. This isn't a social club. We're here for no other reason that even though it isn't Easter, but to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason we're here to celebrate it is because the resurrection of Jesus Christ represents power. It represents the power of God. There was no greater place where it was made evident except in his resurrection. There were many places where it has been, but that is the event that marked the separation of time in the timeline of history. So the most important thing for all of us in this world, maybe some of you know it and maybe some of you don't. I know a lot of people who are believers, who love God, who tell me that they think God's calling them to be a millionaire. (laughs) And and again, there's things that you go into about how some teachings go on about it. I'm not going to talk about that today. And some people, God does trust with that. And that's a gift. You know, money, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. And sometimes the love of money is something that I don't believe God can trust with everybody. And that, and you know what? I accept that as being okay. He hasn't trusted me with it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I my, my point is, is that that's not what it's about. It, it's not about wealth. That, that That's not the most important. It's not about fame. You could achieve any kind of accolades, uh, academic accolades, athletic accolades, other types of achievements that you may have that may come to you in notoriety and recognition. It means, I mean, congratulations, and I'm not disparaging anyone that has them. I make sure I understand that. But ultimately, it means nothing. It means nothing. All of the fame, fortune, just go look at the people who decided to end their life who had all of it. And there's a lot of them. A lot more than you would think. And so, it, it, I, just, I, I just want to say that the, the, the most important thing, for those of you who have accepted this and lived this, and for those of you who haven't, I'm declaring today that this is the most important thing. The most important thing is that you know Jesus Christ and you experience for yourself the power of His resurrection. It's available to you. This was happened to me. It, it changed me. 
The Apostle Paul wrote in the first 11 verses of the third chapter of Philippians, he, he wrote about uh, righteousness through faith in Jesus. Okay, that was the, the passage. And in verse 10, he said this. And then if you go and read those 11 verses in Philippians chapter 3, you can see the context of it all, but it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what we all need to strive for, that we know him and the power of his resurrection. Those words aren't by accident. In another letter he wrote to the Ephesians, he he wrote in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, he says this, I pray, the Apostle Paul's writing, that you will begin to understand. When I hear that, begin to understand, it's like he wants you to just scratch the surface of this. Just to get a little bit. Just begin to understand. Not fully understand. I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great His power, say that with me, power, His power is to help those who believe Him. How many need help? Don't be ashamed of it. It's okay if you don't say you need help. You might not be telling the truth today. We all need help in one way or another, different things, but we all need help. And His power is there. And He just wants us to understand how incredibly great that is to help those who believe Him. And he goes on to say, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, it is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. What Paul is saying there is he's describing this event, one of the events I was talking about, and another. He's describing, he says, that that the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, that's the resurrection. Paul's writing about the power of God being demonstrated at the resurrection of Jesus. And the other thing he's referring to here, I believe, and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. Now, if you were in the first century and you were seeing Jesus and you know he was dead and you know he was dead for three days and he was in that tomb with a stone rolled in front, with guards in front, and you heard that he got out, that might be one thing. But there was a lot of people who saw him and saw him multiple occasions and saw him in full in flesh, touched him. You can read about all of that. That's true. So you, if you saw that, that's one thing you'd say. I don't say anybody who did, although there were people who did, who saw it and still didn't believe. I don't see how anybody could say, well, that's it. He's God. <laughs> He's the resurrected God. There he is. He's walking around. But if you did, if that wasn't enough to convince you, if you were privileged to be one of the few hundred people who were there, and, and scholars say there were a lot more than that because of the way they counted people, and I won't get into that, but if you saw him giving his last words and teaching, and here he is, raised from the dead, three days dead, he's alive, I'm seeing him now, and now I see him start ascending in heaven. I think, just think about that for a minute. Would there be any question at that point that he's gone? <laughs> I mean, so what, what Paul was saying here is that it's the same power that raised him from the dead and allowed him to ascend to the place of honor at God's right hand. That's the power of God. Now, Paul wrote this in Greek, and in the Greek word for power, I've, I've talked about this word before, but I'll just say it. The word in Greek that is used for power is a word called dunamis. I spent a lot of time learning how to pronounce that, so I'm going to ask you to say it with me. Dunamis. All right, so dunamis, 
is a word that, that, that is in the Greek that, that Paul used in this place and, in, and it's used in other places. But And I, and I had told this story before. I wanted to let you know that there's a, there's a, a background as to how, how uh, interesting this word is. Uh, Alfred Nobel, who uh, is a famous um, you know, scientist, engineer, he was an inventor, philosopher, philanthropist, I think, many things. But, or philanthropist, I wanted to say. And uh, Alfred Nobel also founded the Nobel Peace Prize. I think we've got a slide with his picture on it. Anyway, Alfred Nobel had invented this element, or discovered really, this element that had explosive power. And it was one of the most amazing inventions. To that day, it was the most powerful element known to man. And so he was, as he had discovered that, he had, by the way, he had 355 patents too, so he, he was an inventor of, of great consequence. He, he, he was asking a friend of his who happened to be a Greek scholar, I'm trying to come up with a word to describe the power of this thing, man, the, the explosive power of it. And the man who was the Greek scholar gave him a word, and you know what the word was? Dunamis. Dunamis. That's the word. So he took that word and came up with a name. You know what the name for his invention was? It wasn't Dunamis. Dynamite! Now, so think about that just for a second. Paul is saying, if you will just stay with me here for a moment and look at the, how, the, how Alfred Nobel sort of applied this. Paul is saying, in a way, God wants to give us, he wants us to just, just, just begin to understand, he says, the dynamite power of God. Dynamite can blow off chains. Dynamite can break down walls. Dynamite can fling open prison doors so you can set the captives free. That's what dynamite can do. And I'm not talking about dynamite TNT. I'm talking about the dynamite power of God. And praise God for it. And it is not first century power. It's 2020 power. Dunamis is today, not yesterday. Hallelujah. It can change your life, folks. You're looking at somebody that's changed his. I want more. I want more power. Not me power. I want more God's power flowing through me into every circumstance of my life. Woo. <laughs> so, <laughs> yet that same power, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago, I want you to know it is available for the small concerns, for the large concerns, and here's what it will do. It will turn your weaknesses and your failures into strengths and victories. Weaknesses turn to strengths, failures turn to victories by dynamite power that God has given us. Don't ever doubt it and don't deny it because it's something that you can use. Now, that power of God can cancel our past. How many want to cancel some things in their past? <laughs> I sure do. I might have canceled them right now. Well, guess what? God's power can do that. Now, now stay with me here for a second. The supreme God in Colossians, the supremacy of God is written about so wonderfully by the Apostle Paul. The supreme God that's written about in Colossians, he's before all things. He's supreme over all things. He created all things we see and don't see, he writes. Now, I'm going to tell you, he was before all things. He's supreme over all things. He created things we see and don't see. There's many other things Paul writes about in Colossians. That's a powerful God. That's a powerful God that can cancel stuff. 
And he can cancel things in your life. The resurrection power that Paul's writing about and talking about, he's writing about a power that has the ability to cancel your past. Now, there's a difference now. All the failures, mistakes, sins, and regrets, all of this stuff, this junk that's been in the past of your life, it's like when we, Cassie sang that wonderful song, Now Behold the Lamb Today. Man, how many times, I don't know how many times I've did it, but it's a bunch. How many times have you said, I'm supposed to go right, but I went left? <laughs> That's what the song says. I went left when I was supposed to go right. But you see, God's power corrects all of that. It, and then when you cancel something, it's not like you just say, oh, yeah, well, that's behind me, never happened, and, and that's it, I'm just going to forget about it. That's not what canceling is. That's not what canceling is. It's the same with you. It's very important. Canceling means to eliminate, neutralize, get rid of, offset forever. It's permanent. And people have said to me, I don't know how many times during my life, Pastor Billy or Billy, <laughs> I've made so many mistakes, man, I don't know how God could love me. I don't know how God could forgive me. I don't, I've heard people say that. And I just wish I could wipe out everything that happened in my life and started. I'm like, you can. You can. You can do that. The failures, problems, bad decisions, all of us in some way or another, some more than others, probably me more, probably you less, have struggled with those things. We fail, we've had problems, we've made bad decisions, but some people, some people, and I think there are a lot of folk in here, in some way or another, can't seem to let go of that. Can't seem to let go of that past, and as a result, see, now listen to this. By not being able to let go of your past, you limit your present and future opportunities. Especially in God. Because He's not a God of the past. I'm going to tell you why in a second. He's a God of the present and the future. That's all He's concerned with. So don't let the past interrupt what He wants to do now and tomorrow. God says this, that it is unnecessary. That means absolutely inconsequential. It is unnecessary for us to go around in our lives with a heavy load of guilt, old hurt, hanging on things that follow us around, memories of the mistakes we've made, he says you don't have to live like that. Let me tell you why. Here it comes right here. Paul wrote again in Colossians chapter 2. This. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. That's all I need to know right there. He made me alive in Christ, he forgave all my sins. Praise God. But guess what else he said? He canceled, say that, canceled. He canceled the record of the charges against us when he nailed them to the cross. Hallelujah. That's the cross. That's what he accomplished. He canceled it. He canceled it. Listen to me. He can change you this morning. 
He can change you today. Why? Because of the power of God that's working and active in this place and in this world today. How many know John 3.16? Everybody knows that, right? <laughs> For God so loved one of them, one verse, verses in, in, in the scripture. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow! That says it all too. How many have ever seen the verse after it? Anybody know that? Everybody's like now going, oh, oh, okay, no, wait, I don't know the one after that. <laughs> A lot of you do, and that's okay, but we don't know it as well as we know 316. Look at this one. <laughs> For God didn't send his son into the world <laughs> to condemn the world <laughs> in order that the world just might be saved through him. See, everything I did, he didn't condemn me. He didn't look at me any differently. He didn't look upon me like some failure, some mistake, some reject. He looked at me that he's going to save me. He's going to put my feet on a rock, and he's going to change my life forever. And that is what he has done, people. That's what he's done for me. That's what he's done for a lot of you. And he will continue to do it as long as you ask him and walk in obedience with him. He'll change you every day of your life. Because of his power. A clean slate is possible. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means, this is the New Living Translation, this means that anyone, that means all of you, <laughs> and me, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new Person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. <laughs> All right. Some translations say, behold, old things have passed away, or old things have passed away, behold, all things become new. You've heard that? I like this. Simple, make it simple for Billy. The old life, that's gone. A new life has begun, and I'm going to walk in the new life. I'm going to walk in the power of God in the new life. Not the old life. That's gone. And it's really gone. I'm going to show you why here in just a second. Think of it like a chalkboard. You ever seen a chalkboard? You know what also chalkboards are called? They're called slates. Think of it like a chalkboard. When you come to him, he wipes the slate clean. You ever been the one that had that in front of you guys? I had to be the one that the teacher always made erase the chalkboard and clean the chalkboard. They do that when they say you misbehave never knew that that was why they did, but later on I figured out, why am I always the one washing the chalkboard? Everybody else is outside at recess. I'm in here washing the chalkboard. They said, because you're a preacher's kid. <laughs> preacher's kid, they always the worst, man. You wash the chalkboard. Anyway, but when you wipe it, it wipes clean. Jeremiah 31, 34 says this, that God said to the Israelites that he will remember their sins no more. many times have you been wrong in something and you've forgiven them and literally you have. You've forgiven them. You've moved on. You're, you're in forgiveness. You don't hold any grudge. Or it, it's over. But you remember some of your sins. This says he will remember their sins no more. That's got to be one of the most amazing statements in the scripture. Although it's many amazing ones. The God, the creator of the universe, this supreme God, this almighty, powerful, amazing God forgets. He forgets. 
Psalm 103 and 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Anybody know how far that is? There is no. It's an infinite. The east to the west, it doesn't end. There is no place that they go. They're gone. He removes them. As far as the east is from the west, Isaiah 43, 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Praise God! When we come to him, three things now. We come to him, we ask him to forgive us, we admit our sins, he cancels our past. He cancels it. He doesn't remember it. That's good news. It's good news for me, and I guess it's good news for a few people in here. I'm going to name who you are. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't matter. He cancels it. And God chooses. He, he chooses. It's his choice to forget our wrongs, mistakes, and failures. He chose to do that. And even if we were to die tonight, something happened, or something, you know, we left this earth, and we came in. Hey, God, I'm getting to tell you, I was really sorry. I ask you to forgive me for that sin, for that thing I did. I just want to tell you again how much I apologize. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm just giving you my take on this. This is not the scripture. He's going to say, what sin? He's going to say, what are you talking about? That's gone. That's forgotten. Don't you remember when I said I'll remember your sins no more? I meant it when I said that. Okay, you're good. That's, that's the way it is. He canceled our past. Now listen to this. He cancels our past. So we can get on with our present. That's what he's doing. That's why he's doing it. So how, and Rob, if you would come, please. Why God can cancel your past. Here's why he can do it. In John chapter 19, one of the last words Jesus said is this simple thing. It is finished. And there's a wonderful Greek word there I want to share with you. And it says, the the Greek word for that is, that that statement is capsulized in one word. And the Greek word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. There's some definitions of it. But look down at the bottom there. Look, tetelestai. It is finished. What it means. Perform, execute, complete, fulfill, to pay. To pay. It means paid in full. These are things that scholars have said and historians have said that they would write that word to Telestai on a bill to show that it was paid. They'd stamp that on a document to commute prison sentence. Paid in full. It's canceled. How about the song we sang today, Reckless Love of God? When I felt no worth, When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. That's from that song we just sang this morning. It doesn't matter what you think. He paid it all. He stamped it on a document. He says that bill's paid. That sentence is commuted to tell us that paid in full. That's what Jesus
least expensive. <laughs> if you paid your power bill this month, my guess is you hadn't thought about it very much since you paid it. It's paid. It's done. It's over. I don't think about a lot. I think a lot about a lot of bills before I pay them, but I don't think about any bills after I pay them because they're paid in full. They're done. That, that, that's what we're talking about here. Jesus paid 